I must confess, I feel a bit like an asshole, um, like I've been letting you all down. I mean, I've been letting myself down too, but I mean, I'm sorry for not being on here and talking to everybody, trying to include everybody with what's going on. I have been working on myself. I hope you've been working on yourself as best as you can too. I mean, seriously, it's just been a lot of work trying to get everything under control, and I promise that I'm going to be doing better for y'all in the future, um, and just kind of let everything get out of control, um, and man, I think I got it back under control, but uh, if you guys caught any of those stuff on social media, I promised I was going to read you guys a book, so it's called The Places That Scare You, it's a guide to fearlessness in difficult times. And it's written by Pema Chadron. So, enjoy. When I teach, I begin with compassionate aspiration. I express the wish that we will apply the teachings in our everyday lives and thus free ourselves and others from suffering. During the talk, I encourage the audience to keep an open mind. This is often likened to the wonder of a child, seeing the world without preconceptions. As a Zen master, Suzuki Roshi put it, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. At the end of the talk, I dedicate the merit of the occasion to all beings. This gesture of universal friendship has been likened to a drop of fresh spring water. If we put it on a rock in the sunshine, it will soon evaporate. If we put it in the ocean, however, it will never be lost. Thus, the wish is made that we will, that we not keep the teachings to ourselves, but use them to benefit others. This approach reflects what are called the three noble principles. Good in the beginning, good in the middle, good at the end. They can be used in all of the activities of our lives. We can begin anything we do, start our day, eat a meal, or walk into a meeting with the intention to be open, flexible, and kind. Then we can proceed with an inquisitive attitude as my teacher, Shagyam Trungpa Rinpoche, used to say, live your life as an experiment. At the end of the activity, whether we feel we have succeeded or failed in our intention, we seal the act by thinking of others, of those who are succeeding and failing all over the world. We wish that anything we learn in our experiments could also benefit them. In this spirit, I offer this guide on the training of Compassionate Warrior. May it be the benefit at the beginning and in the middle and in the end. May it help move us toward the places that scare us. May it inform our lives and help us to die with no regrets. Chapter 1. The Excellence of Bodhicitta It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Antoine de Saint-Expiré When I was about six years old, 
I received the essential bodhicitta teaching from an old woman sitting in the sun. I was walking by her house one day feeling lonely, unloved, and mad, kicking at anything I could find. Laughing, she said to me, little girl, don't you go letting life harden your heart. Right there, I received this pith instruction. We can let the circumstances in our lives harden us so that we become increasingly resentful and afraid. Or we can let them soften us and make us kinder and more open to what scares us. We always have this choice. If we were asked the Buddha, what is bodhicitta? He might tell us that this word is either easier to understand than to translate. He might encourage us to seek out ways to find its meaning in our own lives. He might tantalize us by adding that it is only bodhicitta that heals, that bodhicitta is capable of transforming the hardest of hearts and the most prejudiced and fearful of minds. Chitta means mind and also heart or attitude. Bodhi means awake, enlightened, or completely open. Sometimes the completely open heart and mind of bodhicitta is called the soft spot, a place as vulnerable and tender as an open wound. It is equated in part with our ability to love. Even the cruelest people have this soft spot. Even the most vicious animals love their offspring. As Trungpa Rinpoche put it, everybody loves something, even if it's only tortillas. <laughs> Bodhicitta is also equated in part with compassion, our ability to feel the pain that we share with others. Without realizing it, we continually shed ourselves from this pain because it scares us. We put, it, we put up protective walls made of opinions, prejudices, and strategies, barriers that are built on a deep fear of being hurt. These walls are further fortified by emotions of all kinds, anger, craving, indifference, jealousy, and envy, arrogance, and pride. But fortunately for us, the soft spot, our initial ability to love and to care about things, is like a crack in these walls we erect. It's a natural opening in the barriers we create when we're afraid. With practice, we learn to find this opening. We can learn to seize the vulnerable moment, love, gratitude, loneliness, embarrassment, and inadequacy to awaken bodhicitta. An analogy for bodhicitta is the rawness of a broken heart. Sometimes this broken heart gives birth to anxiety and panic, sometimes to anger, resentment, and blame. But under the hardness of these armor, there is the tenderness of genuine sadness. This is our link that all those who have ever loved, this genuine heart of sadness can teach us great compassion. It can humble us when we're arrogant and soften us when we're unkind. It awakens us when we prefer to sleep and pierce through our indifferences. This continual ache in our heart is a blessing that when, we, when accepted fully can be shared with all. 
the Buddha said that we are never separated from enlightenment. Even at the times we feel most stuck, we are never alienated from the awakened state. This is a revolutionary assertion. Even ordinary people like us with hangups and confusion have this mind of enlightenment called bodhicitta. The openness and warmth of bodhicitta is in fact our true nature and condition. Even when our neurosis feels far more basic than our wisdom, even when we're feeling most confused and hopeless, bodhicitta, like the open sky, is always there, undiminished by the clouds that temporarily cover it. Given that we are so familiar with the clouds, of course, we may find the Buddha's teachings hard to believe. Yeah, the truth is that in the midst of our suffering, is the hardest, in the hardest of times, we can connect this noble heart of bodhicitta. It is always available in pain as well as in joy. A young woman wrote to me about finding herself in a small town in the Middle East surrounding by people jeering, yelling, threatening to throw stones at her and her friends because they were Americans. Of course, she was terrified, and what happened to her is interesting. <clears throat> Suddenly, she identified with every person throughout history who had ever been scorned and hated. She understood what it was like to be despised, despised for any reason. Ethnic group, racial background, sexual preference, gender, something cracked wide open, and she stood in the shoes of millions of oppressed people and saw with a new perspective. She even understood her shared humanity with those who hated her. The sense of deep connection of belonging to the same family is bodhicitta. Bodhicitta exists on two levels. First, there's unconditional bodhicitta, an immediate experience that is refreshingly free of concept, opinion, and our usual awe-caught-upness. It's something hugely good that we are not able to pin down even slightly, like knowing a gut level that there's absolutely nothing to lose. Second, there is relative bodhicitta, our ability to keep our hearts and minds open to suffering without shutting down. Those who train wholeheartedly in awakening unconditional and relative bodhicitta are called bodhisattvas or warriors. Not warriors who kill and harm, but warriors of non-aggression who hear the cries of the world. These are the men, the women, who are willing to train in the middle of the fire. Train, training in the middle of the fire can mean the warrior bodhisattvas enter challenging situations in order to alleviate suffering. It also refers to their willingness to cut through personal reactivity and self-deception, to their dedication to uncovering the basic, undistorted energy of bodhicitta. We have many examples of master warriors, people like Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King, who recognize that the greatest harm comes from our own aggressive minds. They devoted that their lives to help others understand this truth. There are also many ordinary people 
who spend their lives training and opening their hearts and minds in order to help others do the same. Like them, we could learn to relate to ourselves and our world as warriors. We could train in an awakening, train in awakening our courage and love. There is both formal and informal methods to helping us to cultivate this bravery and kindness. There are practices for nurturing our capacity to rejoice, to let go, to love, and to shed a tear. There are those that teach us to stay open to uncertainty. There are others that help us to stay present at the times when we habitually shut down. Wherever we are, we can train as a warrior. The practices of the meditation, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity are other tools. With the help of these practices, we can uncover the soft spot of bodhicitta. We will find that tenderness in sorrow and in gratitude. We will find it behind the hardness of rage and in the shakiness of fear. It is available in loneliness as well as in kindness. Many of us prefer practices that will not cause discomfort, yet at the same time, we want to be healed. But bodhicitta training doesn't work that way. A warrior accepts that we can never know what will happen to us next. We can try to control the uncontrollable by looking for security and predictability, always hoping to be comfortable and safe. But the truth is that we can never avoid uncertainty. This is not knowing. This not knowing is part of the adventure, and it's also what makes us afraid. Bodhicitta training offers no promise of happy endings. Rather, this I, who wants to find security, who wants something to hold on to, can finally learn to grow up. The central question of warrior's training is not how we avoid uncertainty and fear, but how we relate to discomfort. How do we practice with difficulty, with our emotions, with the unpredictable encounters of an ordinary day. All too frequently, we relate like timid birds who don't dare to leave the nest. Here we sit in the nest that's getting pretty smelly and hasn't served its function for a very long time. No one is arriving to feed us. No one is protecting us and keeping us warm. And yet we keep hoping mother bird will arrive. We could do ourselves the ultimate favor and finally get out of that nest. That this takes courage is obvious. That we could use some helpful hints is also clear. May we doubt, we may doubt that we're up to being a warrior in training, but we can ask ourselves this question. Do I prefer to grow up and relate to life directly? Or do I choose to live and die in fear? All beings have the capacity to feel tenderness, to experience heartbreak, pain, and uncertainty. Therefore, the enlightened heart of bodhicitta is available to us all. The insight meditation teacher, Jack Cornfield, tells us tells of witnessing this 
and Cambodia during the time of the Khmer Rouge. 50,000 people had become communists at gunpoint, threatened with death if they didn't if they continued their Buddhist practices. In spite of the danger, a temple was established in the refugee camp and 20,000 people attended the opening ceremony. There was no lectures or prayers, but simply continuous chanting of the one central teaching of the Buddha. Hatred never ceases by hatred, but by love alone is healed. This is an ancient and eternal law. Thousands of people chanted and wept, knowing that the truth in these words was even greater than their suffering. Bodhicitta, this has this kind of power. We will inspire and support us in good times and bad. It is like discovering a wisdom and courage we do not know we have. Just as alchemy changes any metal, any metal into gold, bodhicitta can, if we let it, transform any activity, word, or thought into a vehicle for awakening our compassion. So, I'd like to thank you for listening, and I'm going to continue doing this every day. So tune back in tomorrow, and we're going to do chapter two. So, now that you know that a bodhisattva is a warrior that practices bodhicitta, which is the attainment of compassion, love, and understanding for yourself and all others, I would like to invite you to continue this journey and learn the warrior's path. Uh, we will continue reading this amazing book, and I will probably even dive into uh, Bodhisattva's way of life after this, because it's another amazing book on how to overcome pain and suffering and be the best warrior that you can because you are a warrior you're fighting every day with so much going on and i know this because we all have so much going on and the world doesn't stop for anyone and doesn't stop for any of us and it's totally up to us to say i have had enough and to do something about it to be the one that makes the changes in your life that leads you to better days. So I truly, I truly love you all. I truly believe that you can control your own life. You can take back your power from whatever it is that's leaving you feeling hopeless and lost. And I say this with my heart, knowing it's truth. Because this is the path I have been walking for 20 years or longer. I mean, probably my whole life, I've been working on being the best warrior, the best version of myself, trying to defend not only myself, but my brothers and my sisters from the atrocities of my parents, the atrocities of all the bullies of the world atrocities, the doctors of all the crap everywhere, and you are my brother and sister, whichever, you are either my brother, or you are my sister, you can be both, I guess, if you're transgender, if you're born that way too, you're both my brother and sister, I don't care, you are amazing, you're alive, you were, you deserve a chance, and you deserve an opportunity to find yourself, 
better days. So continue on in this journey. Have some faith in yourself, some love for yourself, and understand that, yeah, the process sucks. Man, epilepsy sucks. Losing your brain sucks. Having everybody around you fail you in a manner that you wish you could just get a little help so that you could get better. It's not their job, sadly. I mean, some people get paid for that, and other people won't help you unless they get paid for that. This is kind of how the world works, but this is what we're doing. It's teaching you how to be the best warrior you can be. So you can go out and win battles and become a champion. Because fighting gets exhausting. And picking and choosing your battles and trying to win the war instead of just survive the moment makes it all so much better. Gives you some purpose and some understanding that you are loved and you matter. So, as always, this is Alma Wayne Myers inviting you to take care of yourself like you matter because you do. So, tune in tomorrow, share this with your friends, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at the highest level of my capacity as well as bring on other people that will help give you the answers you need to take back control of your life.